This morning as we come to this time of prayer here at the altar, maybe the Lord's laid an individual in your heart and you'd like to pray for them this morning, or maybe there's just another burden uh, the Lord has laid on your heart and you'd like to come and just lay it down this morning. Uh, but, sp but specifically as we think about Sanctity of Life Sunday, I want us to spend some time in prayer this morning uh, for this great need. Uh, we recognize that uh, life is, is important, uh, that life is sacred in the eyes of, of, of our Savior. And uh, we want to be about those things that are upon his heart. So this morning, we want to pray uh, for those who may be struggling in that area. 
uh, may be in a, in a difficult situation and pray the Lord might move in their heart and in their life and, uh, and show them the great hope uh, that is found in Jesus. And so this morning, with every head bowed, with all eyes closed, whatever the need might be, let's come together. Let's come to this altar. Let's make that pew an altar, that place that you're at, your home an altar. And let's spend some time in prayer together today. Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we do recognize that there are so many who are in desperate situations. Lord, we think about the, the young girl who finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy and, and not knowing where to turn, not knowing where the answers might be found. And uh, Lord, we thank you for ministries like the Hope Clinic. We thank you for other ministries and for other individuals who reach out and, and are there uh, to let these these girls and these young women know that, Lord, there's an answer, and there's folks that care, and there's help, and, and there's, there's going to be uh, a structure in place to, to, to take the steps necessary to allow that life uh, to, to be born, and, and for that child to, to, to know you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you might just continue to use these ministries in, a, in an awesome way. But then, Lord, we also recognize there are those who are caring for for loved ones who are struggling in the last stages of life and and that can be very difficult but lord we thank you for the sacrifices that they make Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the way that they meet needs of loved ones and in, in in their most difficult days and lord continue to encourage them continue to encourage these caregivers to keep on keeping on and and those who are struggling with long-term illnesses lord we pray that you would give them the strength and the comfort that they need as well and even right now i know that we may have some sitting here this morning or some watching online or on television and they're they're facing that right now they're they're facing those those last uh few days months or year uh and lord that's that's a hard place to be in but lord we're so thankful for the hope that you give us that this is not all there is that lord as as we live out the the last days perhaps of our lives faithfully for you lord that that's an awesome testimony to a watching world and that lord you you have an awesome plan and purpose not just for this life but for our eternity and so our hope lord truly is in you this morning lord whatever the needs may be today i pray that you would speak to hearts speak into lives do the work that only you can do in each individual today for in jesus name we pray amen will y'all stand with me together as we come together as one to worship his majesty let's get it. worship his majesty
title of this song is He Came for Me, but it's not just me. He came for everyone. so vast the crossing I could never forge from where he was to his demand it seemed so far I cried dear Lord I cannot
Amen. Thank you, D. And aren't we thankful that when in our sin we could not reach God, we couldn't be good enough, we couldn't be religious enough, we couldn't do enough good to, to climb up to heaven, that Jesus left heaven, he came to us. And I'm so thankful that he loved us that much. This morning, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 again. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to actually be in several different spots. But we'll, we'll start there in Matthew chapter 4 and we'll start looking at uh, verses 18 through 22. And we're focusing on the net this morning, the net. As you turn in there to Matthew chapter 4, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you. Again, we're reminded of your great love for us, that you came after us on that great rescue mission. Lord, because you loved us too much to leave us the way we were. And Lord, you desired a relationship with us and knew that we couldn't do it on our own, so you came to us. And you died upon the cross and you rose three days later, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave. And we're so thankful for the love that allowed you to come and do what we could never do. And Lord, today I pray that we would share that gospel message with all those around us, that Lord, we would complete this commission, this great commission that you had given to us as your children. And Lord, uh, it, it's, it's impossible in our strength. But Lord, in you, in, in the power that you have placed within us through your Holy Spirit dwelling within us, he makes it possible. He makes what is impossible for us possible. Because Lord, uh, the, the power that rose Christ from the grave is the power that is now residing within us through the Holy Spirit himself. And so I pray that we would see that today and that we would recognize that we can truly be the fishers of men that you have called us to be. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. Hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning as we turn to Matthew chapter 4, would you please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word as we look at verses 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You may be seated. There are many parables... There are many ways that, that Jesus, throughout the Gospels, describes the Gospel itself. That describes what the Gospel is, describes the power of the Gospel, describes what it does, describes uh, how individuals are saved. But I think one of my favorite ways that Jesus describes the Gospel is through the parable of the net. And as I've had the opportunity um, to spend a little bit more time in fishing communities on mission trips and those kind of things, I've really been able to, to learn a, a lot more and to understand a lot more about what it's talking about when it talks about being a fisher of men. And so um, I love the children's department. They have everything, all right? And so I, I found this net down there. And so uh, as we talk about the net, now we can, we can have a little bit of a, of a visual aid there. But um, the gospel is portrayed, is portrayed as, a, as a net in Matthew chapter 13. In verses 47 through 48, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, 
that was cast into the sea, and it gathered every kind, which is when it was full, they drew to the shore and sat down, and they gathered the good and the vessels, but cast the bad away. And so, of course, this isn't exactly the kind of net that would have been used there, um, but man, especially like in Brazil, when you watch them do this, this is exactly, what it speaks of there is exactly the way that they do it, and it's, and it's multiple men, and they pull it in, and it's catching anything and everything that's in that river, and they are, they, they're there, and the good fish they put into, into the containers that they're wanting to keep, and then they throw others back, um, but that's exactly what they do, and they, they work that net, and they're catching everything that might be, uh, especially when they get into a, a smaller channel, everything that might be in that channel is coming up in that net, uh, and they're catching so many fish and and, uh, and it's just an amazing thing to watch. They, they've got it down to an art form. But then we also see that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we're described as fishermen. Matthew 4, 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So this picture of the net and what it means to be a fisher of men has, uh, again, made, made a lot of sense to me. As you go into these communities, if if you're a commercial fisherman, it makes sense to you. Maybe you've done that in the past. Maybe you haven't. But uh, a commercial fisherman is one who does it for a living, uh, not just to relax. Uh, and a commercial fisherman doesn't just have one line. He's not just casting one line in with, you know, with his favorite beverage there. But those who are commercial fishermen know what it means to cast those nets. And fishing with a net is, is work. And every aspect of that work is intentional. Most of the time, this kind of fishing involves more than one person. Like I said, there, there, there's a group of men, at least two men, who are working together. And, and these men work together as they cast the net and as they draw in as many different fish as they possibly can. And working together, these men pull that net to shore. And they will they'll begin to sort those fish by type and by size and the different containers that are used for different purposes. And so some are sold to the market and taken home to the families to enjoy Others will be used for bait. Others are still uh, types that have to be thrown to the side, being unfit for any real use for them. But as believers and as witnesses of the Lord, we must be able to handle the gospel effectively so that we can catch as many men as possible for the Lord. Looking at literal fishing nets, I believe, can teach us something about how to approach the gospel net as well. So notice these facts. i got six facts I want you to see this morning concerning the gospel net. And the first one is found there in Matthew 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting it into the sea, for they were fishers. Nets cannot cast themselves. Nets cannot cast themselves. Now that seems pretty obvious to anyone who's ever done any kind of, of net fishing, but it's something we need to understand as well. The gospel must be delivered. It's not enough that we possess the gospel ourselves, but the gospel must also be delivered. Notice that Jesus went to the working men. He didn't go to the elite religious leaders. He went to the working men to get the work of casting out the gospel started. Peter and Andrew knew how to fish, and they knew what it took. It required intentional work in order to be able to bring in a catch. Peter and Andrew understood that if they didn't cast that net, if they didn't draw that net, that the net would remain empty. What I mean by that is 
regardless of how much they talked about fishing, regardless of how much they genuinely loved fishing or studied fishing, only the actual activity of casting and drawing the net, only fishing itself would bring in a catch. Only doing the actual intentional work of of, of fishing allows you to bring in the fish. God could have chosen angels to do this job, but he gave the task to men. He gave this task to men, and what an honor it is. Jesus could have used many others that might have seemed, and probably were, to the world, much more qualified to get this job done than the guys that Jesus picked. And yet we see here that Jesus called those that knew how to fish. I believe because they had always been around fish. And so they, they kind of got what he was talking about. Listen to me this morning. I love to lead people to Christ. And God gives me that opportunity in this ministry uh, fairly often. I thank the Lord that, that through my, my preaching ministry and my teaching ministry and through the opportunities that I have uh, to be with people in, you know, in revival services and at vacation Bible school and, and camp settings and conference settings, I, I often get to be that person. It may be a little bit unfair to the rest of you, but I often get to be that person who gets to be there when they move from, from death to life. And that's awesome. And I praise the Lord for those opportunities. And I praise the Lord for the opportunities that I have just in my, my life of personal evangelism to, to have the opportunity to lead a family member or a friend to Jesus. I, I thank the Lord for that. that that's awesome. It, it, it really brings joy to my heart and into my life. But just as exciting to me is that when I get a call from one of you and, and you say to me, Brother Brad, I, I was at work and, and I was having this conversation about fill in the blank, whatever it was that you might have been talking to, to your coworker about. And, and, and I had this opportunity as we began to talk about that, I, I had the opportunity to lead that into to my faith and I began to be able to explain that I found the answers and I found the hope that, that has changed my life, I found it in Jesus and, and they began to ask questions and I had the opportunity to then ask them if they wanted to have a relationship with Christ and they said yes and and Brother Brad, I, I got to lead them to Jesus. And there's just this great joy on their, in their hearts and in their lives. Even over the last month, I've had some of you have come to me and you said, you know, I was working with this person and, and we were working in, in, in cleaning up their house after the storm. And I had the opportunity to begin to talk to them and they asked me why I was giving my time and my energy to, to help them to clean up. And I began to share that it was because, you know, Jesus and, and I had this, this great relationship with him and I knew his love and I wanted to share that with them and they began to say well you know I want what you have and the conversation led to me being able to talk to them about faith and brother Brad they came to know Christ and there's joy in that or when you come to me and you say you know my my son my daughter my granddaughter my grandson I, I got the opportunity this week to lead them to Jesus I see the joy on your faces I see the joy in your heart when you have the opportunity to do that and listen to me the greatest potential for soul winning doesn't reside in the pastor's study or in the seminaries or in the Bible colleges. If the, go if the gospel is going to penetrate our culture, it is going to be because school teachers and students, small business owners and plant workers, medical professionals and farmers, everyday working people have committed themselves to this task of fishing. 
of making an intentional effort on a daily basis to say, Lord, who can I cast the net and try to catch today? Or who are the people that I can cast the net and see if I can catch today? You live where the people are, and God will use you to reach them with the gospel. We've been called to cast the net through the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we may be and allow the Lord to do the work of changing hearts and minds. And that's, that's the beauty of the gospel is that it's not about the eloquence of our speech or, or how well we can answer questions. The gospel shares itself if we make ourselves available and we just say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share with you what was shared with me. Here, here in God's word, this is what he says about how you can come to know him. In the gospel, it shares itself if we will just make ourselves an available instrument to open up our mouth and, and share it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Again, the power that rose Christ from the grave is the power that's been given to us to share this gospel message. We have everything we need. Acts 17, 23. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you eagerly worship, him declare I unto you. The Lord says in our everyday conversations, and your workplace, in in your relationships with friends and neighbors and, and family members, look for the opportunities he gives you to connect the dots and to have a gospel conversation. Allow him to use you to cast that net. They must be cast. But secondly, look at John chapter 21 verse 6. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. The second thing I want you to see is nets cannot retrieve themselves. Okay? Nets cannot retrieve themselves. All right? Once I throw this net, once I throw it, all right, if I just stand here, it's not going to do anything. I must draw it back in. I, I, must do, I must do the work of drawing it back in. They do not retrieve themselves. And so nets need to be pulled in. Nets need to be pulled in. And I praise the Lord um, for mercy ministries, especially in our community uh, over the past month. We certainly have been blessed by a number of disaster relief ministry teams that have come to our aid in this past month. But what I'm most thankful for when it comes to Southern Baptist Disaster Relief, when it comes to Samaritan's Purse, when it comes to um, Eight Days of Hope, when it comes to so many of these groups, is that the, the, the number one thing that I've heard from people is they didn't just meet our physical need. They didn't just meet my loved one's physical need, but they shared the gospel. They moved from from cleaning up brush or, or helping with a roof or, or putting back on a siding on a house or whatever it might have been. But then they shared the hope of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that aspect of, of these ministries that have come into our community. And I'm sure maybe you've heard that old saying that says, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I want to tell you something this morning. If you're going to share the gospel, you're going to have to use your words, Okay. 
I feel like I'm talking to, to my little preschoolers when my kids were growing up. You're going to have to use your, your big boy, your big girl words, okay? It, it's not enough for you just to try to, uh, you know, live a certain way and think that the gospel is going to be shared just because you've been a good person. That's not the way it works. You will have to use your words. If all we ever do is do good works and we never explain in whose name that we are doing those works, then the world around us is going to be left to think that, man, there's some really nice people. Uh, There's some really nice people. Period. There's some really nice people. Brother Brad, he's a really nice guy. Period. They'll know nothing else. If I don't use my words to say, you want to know why I'm here? I'm here because Jesus has been so good to me. And I want to share the love of Jesus with you. I I want the overflow of what he's done in my life to to bless you. If I don't use my words, they're never going to hear the gospel just because I've been nice to them. Now, those nice things will help them in the temporary time that they're here on this earth. But let me tell you something. Their much more pressing spiritual dead condition will never be changed. You will have to use your words. And also a decision is needed. A decision is needed. The gospel must be shared. And then sinners must be pressed for a decision. Acts chapter 16 verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Don't just share the gospel and just leave it hanging out there. But call for a response. Do you have any questions about what I just talked to you about? I mean, do you, do you feel like you have a need for a relationship with Jesus? Would, would, you like to, would you like to ask him to come into your heart and into your life and, and to be Savior and Lord of your life today? Or do you still have more questions? Do we still need to talk some more about this? Call for a response. It's, it's why I give an invitation. When I preach, I give an invitation. And sometimes people say, well, Brother Brad, I'm not sure that was a gospel message. I'm not sure it really needed an invitation. Every service needs an invitation. Because guess what? I'm not the Holy Spirit. I don't know what he necessarily might be doing in your heart and in your life. And I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm done. Well, what if the Holy Spirit's not done? I want to give an opportunity for the gospel to draw people. And so we give an invitation here. You need to be pressed to make a decision because with Christ, there is no middle road position. You're either for him or against him. A decision must be made. But then thirdly, Nets must be maintained. Nets must be maintained. Luke chapter 5 verse 2 shows us that nets must be kept clean. It says, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. It's necessary to wash a net because a dirty net will rot and it will be ineffective. But so will a dirty testimony. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgive us the iniquity of my sins. Psalm 51, 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We need a clean testimony. The reputation of the church matters. Our witness matters. They need to be kept clean. And if you want to earn the right to be heard by the watching world around us, then you need to walk the walk. And not simply just talk the talk. Our lives matter. Your testimony, your doctrine matters. Your conduct in front of a watching world makes a difference. What you believe makes a difference. Because it's not enough that that's what you've always been taught. But 
Have you dug deep enough yourself so that you know why you believe this gospel that you're proclaiming? Have you spent enough time in God's word that, that, that it, it is truly, it makes sense in your heart and your mind so that you can explain it to people? So that when people do have a question that you're able to say something. So many times people tell me why I just don't know enough about the scriptures to share the gospel. You know who can do something about that? You. You can spend more time in God's word. You can spend more time with him in prayer. You can meditate more on scripture. You can prepare your heart so that you can be the one who can cast that net and do a good job of being able to pull it back in. You can be the one who who can keep it clean. But also we see here that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, nets must be mended. Verse 21 says, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, and a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. A net with holes in it can catch no fish because they can escape. We must be sure that there are no holes in our witness. That word mended means to strengthen or to perfect, to to make complete. And so we need to know what we believe. It goes back to what uh, what I'm saying there. You can prepare yourself so that you can be a better gospel witness if you're prepared by knowing God's word. We need to know what we believe. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But also we need to know why we believe it. First Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's not enough to say, well, that's, that's what my parents believe. And that's what my grandparents believe. And that's what my preacher believe. And that's what my Sunday school teacher believe. But why do you believe it? Why do you believe it? Do you believe it because that's what Brother Brad said? Or do you believe it because that's what the Bible said? And you've studied it enough to know that that's what the Bible said. And your convictions are found in the fact that you've spent enough time in God's Word. That you know what you believe and why you believe it. But also our lives must match our witness. Philippians 2, 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent... I may hear of your affairs that ye may that that ye steadfast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Our lives before a watching world matter. The things that we talk about matter. The things that we look at matter. The things that we listen to matter. The kind of jokes that we listen to and tell they matter because our witness matters. Our testimony matters, and so make sure, make sure that your nets are clean and mended. Notice that two were casting and two were mending. So which are you? Nets that are out of the water cannot catch fish. What are you doing? What, what are you preparing yourself for? Who are, you, who are you beginning to talk to? What conversations are you having? If, if there's no, no fishing going on, you're not going to catch any fish. But then fourthly, nets have more than one use. What I mean by that is, first of all, nets can be cast from a ship. They can be cast from a ship. And certainly the preaching ministry of Brownsburg Baptist Church is an effective way to cast the net. Preaching is, is a, a, a way that God has called us to reach the world with the gospel. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Maybe you say, well, Brother Brad, you're a fool. Well, you're not the first one that's called preachers that, okay? So, but it's through the foolishness of the gospel, preaching of the gospel, that the world has come to know Jesus. How could, how could preaching change hearts and lives for eternity? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has chosen to use people as, as weak and as fragile as me to do this gospel ministry. And so the preaching ministry of the church is important. The, the ministry that we have corporately is important. The church is, is a soul-winning ministry. Uh, that Everything that we do, we exist for those who are not yet here. Okay, We're not just doing things because it makes us happy and because it meets our needs. But we exist... We exist for those people who have not yet even come through the doors of Brinesburg Baptist Church, that we might reach them. And all we do should, should have an eye on reaching the lost. So our children's ministry has an eye on reaching the lost, and our, our student ministry has an eye on reaching the lost, and our music ministry has an eye on reaching the lost, and our senior adult ministry, and our, our Sunday school ministries, and our, all, all that we do, even the fellowship times that we have, we, we plan them with the idea. Remember, I, I oftentimes say to you, look for someone you can invite. Look for somebody that that can be an open door, a, a soft landing spot for them to come into the church. So even those times of fellowship have an eye on the gospel, on reaching the lost. And so they can be cast from a ship, but also they can be cast from the shore. What I mean by that is the individual should be engaged in personally throwing the net it's not enough that just the preacher or just the Sunday school teacher or, or, or just the, the missionary out on the field be casting the net, but you must be casting the net. You must have a ministry of personal evangelism. Uh, many of you know uh, Dr. Paul Chitwood. Uh, he was our uh, exec here in the state of Kentucky uh, for many years, and then, of course, now uh, he's leading the International Mission Board as, as our president of the International Mission Board. Um, but Dr. Paul Chitwood was my personal evangelism professor at Southern Seminary. And one of the things we had to do on a weekly basis is we had to record gospel interactions, gospel conversations, opportunities that we had had with someone to talk to them about the gospel. In other words, casting that net, personally casting that net. And it couldn't involve something in our, in our church ministry. It had to be our personal, personally uh, going out and having coffee with somebody. Uh, a conversation maybe we had at the grocery store, uh, a conversation we had with a waitress as we were sitting and, and, and having a meal. Uh, you had to cast the net, and then there had to be, as we've talked about here, there had to be a, a pulling of the net. There had to be a call for a response. Now, it, it, he knew that we couldn't necessarily make somebody come to know Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But did you cast the net, and did you call for a response? Did you pull it in? Did you, did you try to see if you could, could draw somebody to make a, a, a decision? so that they would recognize their sin, recognize their need for the Savior. We all have a responsibility to have that kind of ministry. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And this morning, one of the calls to response this morning is going to be a tool that we've used in the past, but a tool to help you to cast that net this week as an individual in a very easy way, in a non-threatening way, another tool for you to use so you can cast that net and hopefully be able to draw it in and, and call for a response. But then fifthly, nets are able 
of capturing great numbers of fish. Luke 5, 5 through 7, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when he had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and they filled both ships, so that they began to sink. John 21, 6. And he saith unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. John 21, 11, Simon Peter went up and he drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. I want you to think about the, the impact of lives of, of men and women who have said, you know what, my, I want my life to be used to cast this net. I, I want to be sold out for the gospel of casting the net and seeing how much God can do through my life. I want to just surrender everything, my will, my wants, my desires, my plans. I want to surrender it to him and what God did in their lives. We think about Stephen there in the book of Acts. We think about Paul. We think about in church history, Martin Luther. We think about in in recent history, Billy Graham. We think about Lottie Moon. We think about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. We think about D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody is the one who said, we have never pushed the gospel to the limit. These, these are individuals who said, what more can I do? How, how can I be of a greater use in this gospel work for the Lord Jesus Christ? How can God use my life? And, and this work of reaching multitudes, it may seem impossible, but you know what? It worked for the early church. We saw the early church take this seriously, and they caught large numbers Acts, 20, Acts uh, 2, verse 41. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I don't know about you, but I think I would like to be at a revival service where 3,000 souls came to Christ. But it continues in Acts 4, 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the numbers of the men was about 5,000. So we go from 3,000 to 5,000. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good day out on the lake fishing. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And praising God and having favor among the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God was adding on, on, a, on a continual basis. On a daily basis. Because why? Because that net was being cast. That net was being pulled in. And great numbers of people were giving their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because people were fishing. It worked for the early church. And guess what? It will work for us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's where our power comes from. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we have a multiplication of the gospel. We have an adding on a daily basis of the gospel yesterday in the early church. Well, if he's the same today as he was yesterday, then he's still desiring to do that work in and through our lives if we'll do 
what they did in the early church. And so the question comes, is this task bigger than us? And the answer is absolutely yes, it is. It is bigger than us. But is this task bigger than the Holy Spirit who dwells within us? Absolutely not. Through the power that has has taken up residency within us, if you have a relationship with Christ, the moment you said yes to him, the Holy Spirit himself came and he took up residency within you. So the power that rose Jesus from the grave now dwells in you. Is anything impossible with him? The answer to that is no. And so what he's called us to do, winning great numbers, can happen today. But one of the things we have to see is the sixth thing I want you to see. Nets do not discriminate. What I mean by that is the net captures all that encloses. The net captures all that it encloses. The gospel is good for all men. All men. All women. All boys. All girls. Revelation twenty two seventeen. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And of course, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel is not simply available to just the Jews. It's not simply available just to the Gentiles. It's available to all. The gospel is available to men and to women. It's available to the rich and to the poor. It's available to the seemingly pretty good people. And it's also available to the social outcast. The gospel is available to the white and to the black, to the Asian, to the Native American, to the Indian, to the African, to the Arab, and to any other ethnicity or nationality. They can be saved. We can be saved. If you are lost in your sin and you recognize it, if you recognize that you need to repent and turn to Christ, then you can be saved out of your slavery to sin and into the family of God. Regardless of what your past looks like, regardless of what your skin color may be or what your bank account looks like or where you've been in the past, you can be saved. They can be saved. And the church needs to learn that all lost people are going to the same hell Color and position, education and economic status will not matter. There's all kinds of folks in hell. There's religious people in hell. Your fervor for religion does not matter. We look at the Pharisees and the the Sadducees. Uh, They represent the lost church member today. Think about what Jesus said about them. They were clean, they tithed, they fasted, they were holy in the eyes of of, of the world. But... Salvation doesn't come by our works or us trying hard enough. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Church members need to be sure that they are saved, and they're not just going through the motions. 2 Peter 1.10 tells us that to examine our faith, is it truly placed in Christ or is it placed in what we're doing? Examine your faith and make sure it is rightly placed in Christ alone. A religious hell is still hell, and it is a horrible place to go. But also rulers can go to hell. We think about Pilate. Here he is standing face to face with God in the flesh, and he was so close, but he chose position over his soul, and I'm sure that he regrets it every second of eternity. Do not allow anything to stand between you and coming to Christ. But also the rioters 
are in hell. What does that mean? What's the mob? It's the crowd. Some of those in that crowd, just days before, as Jesus came triumphantly into Jerusalem, they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They were praising him. Why? Because the crowds were praising him. They they were excited because they had seen his miracles. Hey, he's raising people from the dead. Hey, he's feeding multitudes. Hey, he's healing diseases. Let's go and see what's going on with the famous guy. So they were cheering and cheering and cheering, but a week later they are jeering and saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why? Because they went along with the crowd. They followed the crowd straight to hell. Do not allow the crowd to dictate what you believe or what you will do with the condition of your soul. If Christ is calling to you today, regardless of if anybody else makes a decision, you do what Christ has called you to do. Don't be a part of the crowd. But also the ruthless are in hell. Think about the soldiers. They did their job and they enjoyed it, it seems. They beat the Savior. They crucified him. They cast lots for his clothing. They were hard-hearted and nothing seemed to bother these men who were used to exacting pain and suffering for a living. They were unmoved by the cries of the condemned. And I wonder if Jesus appeared any different to them. And it seems that at least to one of them, he did. Matthew 27, 54 Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. All kinds of people will be in hell. You see, because all it takes to go to hell is to make no decision at all. To simply push Jesus off for another day. To simply say, well, you know what, that's a decision that somebody else can make or that I'll make at a later date or or, or, or whatever else we might make as an excuse. It doesn't take anything to go to hell. What it requires to be in heaven is a relationship with Christ. The question comes, what will you do with this man named Jesus? The net has been cast this morning. And right now we're going to draw it in. Perhaps the net has captured you. Perhaps this morning you've realized, you know what, I don't have a relationship with Christ. And there's no way that I can do anything of eternal significance because I don't have the gospel living within me. I don't have a relationship with Christ, therefore I don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. And maybe today what you need to do is you just need to come. You need to come to him. A decision this morning to make no decision at all is your decision. You see, you are either accepting Christ as Lord and Savior or you are rejecting him. There is no middle position. So the question comes, will you come to him today? But the second part of what we're going to talk about is for everybody else. If you're sitting in the balcony, if you're down here and you've been a Christian for 50 years, this is for you. For those of us who need to be casting the net this morning, we've got a tool for you. And we've used this in the past. And these are cards. And on the front side, they have information about our church. But on the back side, it has information about truelife.org. And it's simply a website where they can go. And in their own time and in the privacy of their own home, they can get answers to the greatest questions that they might have about about faith, about God, about the hard questions of life. And an opportunity for maybe if you don't have the time to sit there and and share with somebody in the midst of, of paying for your gas or whatever else it may be, it's an opportunity for you to have a gospel witness. Hopefully, you'll have the opportunity to sit down with somebody and lead them further. 
but it's an opportunity for you to plant that seed. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge you. Would you be willing to cast the net this week three times by taking three of these cards and making it a point in your life this week that you're going to take the time to go to somebody and to just say to them, hey, I want to give you this card. It's, it's just a card. On this side, it tells you a little bit about my church, which is Bryansburg Baptist Church. We'd love to have you come if you don't have a church home. But on the back side, if you've got any questions about faith, about God, about life, uh, there's a website. It's got a lot of answers for you. And in, in, in your own time, you, you can use that. Or do you have any questions right now? And see if you can begin a gospel conversation. If not, just to give them that card. If they don't want that card, that's okay. You can give it to somebody else. But you've, you've had an opportunity to have a gospel encounter, a gospel conversation with someone. And so if you want to grab uh, three of these cards, there's, there's three different plates here, and you can grab three of those. And make that um, a goal for your life this morning. You don't have to do that. But if you want a tool, if you want a tool to, to be able to cast the net in a, in, in a non-confrontational way, here, here's an opportunity this week. How's the Lord calling you to share? Who's he calling you to share with? Do you need to have a relationship with Christ yourself today? How's the Lord speaking to you? Will you be obedient? Will you say yes to him? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your great love. And we thank you, as we've talked about today, that we couldn't save ourselves, and so you came after us. And Lord, when that net enclosed around us, that you, you drew us close, and Lord, you allowed us to see the ugliness of our sin and our awesome need for the Savior. And Lord, I'm so thankful that at the age of nine, you showed me that that sin in my own life. And you drew me close, and Lord, that you allowed me to recognize that you were my only hope, and I was able to enter into a relationship with you. I pray for my friend that may be here today, that may be watching today, that needs to make that decision. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. But Lord, I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, that we would have a ministry of, of being fishers of men, personally using the opportunities that you give to us to share. Not just relying upon the, the church to cast the net, but us as individual members of the church casting the net. And Lord, I pray that, that folks would take that seriously this week, that they look for the opportunity this week to, to cast that net and, and to, to, with everything in them to try to draw it in and do their best to have a gospel encounter with somebody on three different occasions this week. And Lord, as that takes place, Lord, I believe you're going to do an awesome work and Lord, I believe that we're going to see hearts change for eternity if we'll just be obedient. If we'll just do what the early church did, I believe we can see the same results today. Because Lord, that's your promise to us. So Lord, today, as, as decisions are made, Lord, I know that you will receive the honor and the glory and the praise. And so we give it to you in advance. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing, would you come?